Welcome, everyone, to the new 1001 Sherlock Holmes Stories podcast. Here you'll find a collection of Sherlock Holmes adventures, as well as the best of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's stories. Some from our archives at 1001 Classic Short Stories and 1001 Stories for the Road, and some newly produced, all here for your entertainment. Petri Wine brings you... Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce in the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes. The Petri family, the family that took time to bring you good wine, invite you to listen to Dr. Watson tell us another exciting adventure he shared with his old friend, that master detective, Sherlock Holmes. And I know that Dr. Watson will agree with me when I tell you that the best way to begin a good meal is with a glass of Petri California Sherry. Before you sit down at the table, pour yourself and your family a glass of Petri Sherry. Try it. There are many ways to tell a good wine by its color, its aroma, and its flavor. On every count, Petri Sherry is outstanding. The color of Petri Sherry is a clear, deep amber. Perfect. The aroma? Well, Petri Sherry is as fragrant as a bunch of dew-covered grapes picked in the early morning. But most important to you, and to me, is the flavor of Petri Sherry. We want a wine that tastes good. And believe me, you couldn't ask for a more delicious wine than Petri Sherry. And just to make sure you get a wine that's exactly the way you want it, Petri makes two kinds of sherry, the regular and Petri Pale Dry. If you're not sure which you like better, why not try them both? Don't buy one, buy two. Just be sure you always buy Petri, Petri Sherry. I'm sure our good friend Dr. Watson's ready for us. Let's go in and join him. Good evening, Dr. Watson. Good evening, Mr. Bartell. I don't want it. Dogs seem very chipper tonight, Doctor. Have they been getting in any more trouble lately? Oh, no, my boy. It's been a relatively quiet week for them. One meeting with a dead seal, two visits to my neighbor's chickens, and a losing battle today with a cross-eyed... Tommy's cat. <laughs> you, you call that a quiet week, huh? Well, it is for them, but never mind about the dogs. Drop your usual chair and make yourself comfortable. You're just in time to join me in a, in a glass of sherry. That'll be very nice, Doctor. Oh, I see you have the old dispatch box out again. Yes, my boy. As the story I'm going to tell you tonight took place in 1887, I thought I'd better refresh my memory on some of the details of the case. Shortly after my marriage, and as I had bought a practice in the Paddington district, I saw very little of my old friend Sherlock Holmes. How was doctoring in those early days? A struggle, my boy, a distinct struggle. Dr. Farquhar, from whom I had bought the practice, had at one time an excellent clientele, but his age, combined with an unfortunate affliction, the year that resembled St. Vitus's dance, uh, had very much thinned it. I had uh, uh, confidence, however, in my, in my youth and in my energy. And I was convinced that in a very few years, the practice would be as flourishing as ever. But, as I said, I saw very little of Holmes in those days. I guess you were too busy to visit Baker Street, aren't I? Yeah, you guessed quite correctly, Mr. Bartell, quite correctly. Uh, Holmes seldom went anywhere himself, save on professional business. You can imagine my surprise, therefore, when one day on coming home from a heavy day's work, I found that Holmes had decided to pay us a visit. My wife persuaded him to stay to dinner, and as the three of us sat at the table, the flickering candlelight dancing strange patterns on the walls, fitted quite like old times. Holmes was in an unusually gay mood, and I can remember the twinkle in his eye as he turned to my wife and said, You're a brave woman, Mrs. Watson, to feed an unexpected guest on the maiden night out. I'm extremely grateful. Mrs. Hudson's cooking, though excellent of its kind, lacks variety. Uh, your dinner has been quite a treat. Oh, that's a very gracious little speech, Mr. Holmes. <laughs> yes, uh, I've never known you to be so observant about food, Holmes. <laughs> Perhaps the lack of your company, my dear chap, and the consequent lonely meals have made me conscious of Mrs. Hudson's culinary shortcomings. Uh, I, um... I suppose you're taking John out with you tonight on one of your cases. <laughs> no, Mrs. Watson. Oh, I can understand your suspicions. My visit was purely social. Then let's go into the other room and, and have a pipe, shall we? Well, uh, don't you think you'd be more comfortable at the club? <laughs> Miss Almeria, I believe you want to get rid of us. Oh, <laughs> no, dear, it's not that. It's 
justice. Uh, but um, well, your visitor is due at any moment, and you had counted on the house being empty by now. Why, how on earth did you know that, Mr. Holmes? <laughs> Past half hour, you've been glancing at the clock with mounting anxiety. I feel sure that um, if it had been, if it not been for my unexpected visit, your uh, your good husband would already have been walking towards his club. Yeah, it is my custom to go to the club on Thursdays, but uh, but how do you know? <laughs> I know your habits, my dear chap, as well if not better than you do. It's a, it's a good thing I'm a bachelor, isn't it, Mrs. Watson? Yes, indeed. A wife could keep no secrets from you, Mr. Holmes, I'm sure. Uh, well, Mary dear, who, who is your visitor, and uh, what is the secret that you, you've been hiding? Oh, it's innocent enough, John. As Thursdays is the maid's night out, and you've been going to the club, I've been letting Alicia Wentworth meet her young man here. With me, a chaperone, of course. Oh, that's the mystery. Well, Watson, your yeah. love is on the wing, and I'm sure we're dreadfully in the way. Let's uh, stroll to Baker Street, shall we? Well, of course, I'll get my coat. Uh, why didn't you tell me, ma'am? Well, I was afraid you might be angry, John. Angry, of course, ma'am. Alicia's <laughs> such a sweet girl. And Harry Prendergast is a very charming young man. He comes from an excellent family, has a commission in the infantry, and the children are tremendously in love. But her beastly guardian forbids them to meet. So I... So, Oh, there she is now. Well, we can pretend that we were just leaving anywhere. Yes, I'll get my coat. Hello, Alicia, dear. Oh, Mrs. Watson, I'm so glad to see you. Come here. Alicia, this is my husband and Mr. Sherlock Holmes. How do you do, my dear? It's a shame that we have to go now, but my friend and I have some very important business to attend to. You're Mr. Sherlock Holmes, the detective, aren't you? Yes, Miss Whitworth. Please don't go, Mr. Holmes. Please don't. I need help so badly. Why, Alicia, what's wrong? You're as white as a ghost. Let's go into the drawing room, shall we? What's troubling you, Miss Wentworth? It's Harry, Captain Prendergast. I don't know exactly what's the matter, but something dreadful has happened to him. Oh, now sit down here beside me, dear. That's it. Miss Wentworth, uh, what reason do you have to suppose that Captain Prendergast is in trouble? I've seen friends of his today. They spoke of him almost as if he were dead, and yet they wouldn't tell me why. And just now I went to his club, and they told me that Captain Prendergast was not a member. But he is a member. He's been a member for years. Oh, what's happened to him? What has happened to there, it? There, dear. Mr. Holmes will help you. Now, don't you cry. Have you uh, been to the police, Miss Wentworth? No, Doctor. You see, I went to my guardian, but he wouldn't let me go to the police. He said there'd be a scandal. But then he hates her. Mm, the Prendergast are a fine family. Uh, why does your guardian object to, uh, object, uh, object to him so strongly? I don't think he would approve of anyone I choose. He doesn't want me to get married. Well, sounds like a positive ogre to me. Uh, who, who is your guardian, my dear? Colonel Moran. Colonel Sebastian Moran. Indeed. He's a man who has many entries against him in my ledgers, but a man that I've never met. I have long hoped to cross swords with him directly. But but how could Uncle Sebastian have anything to do with the criminal profession, Mr. Holmes? He's the son of Sir August Moran, and he was once British minister to Persia. Oh, oh you must be confusing him with someone else. Uh, no, my dear, it's the same man, and furthermore, I'm almost certain that your guardian is the right-hand man of a certain friend of mine whose name also begins with the three letters... M-O-R. Good Lord, Moriarty. I have no proof. And yet I suspect that Colonel Moran is the second most dangerous man in London. That's Harry. It must be Harry. Oh, poor girl. I do hope you can help her, Mr. Holmes. I shall do my best, Mrs. Well, Watson. Well, if that is her young man at the door, it's more than likely her problem doesn't exist any longer. I hope you're right, Watson. Though with Colonel Moran as a guardian, I'm afraid the young lady is destined to have trouble. Come on, Harry. Good evening, Mrs. Watson. Oh, I'm so glad to see you, Harry. Uh, this is my husband. How do you do, Doctor? How do you do, my boy? And Mr. Sherlock Holmes. How do you do, Captain Prendergast? How do you do, sir? Harry, what's wrong? I can tell by your face that something dreadful has happened. It has, darling. Tell Mr. Holmes about it. He's promised to help us. Well, sir, I'm afraid this is a little outside of your province. <laughs> you will find that my friend's province is quite extensive, Captain Prendergast. I should be more than happy to do anything I can to help, sir. That's very nice of you, Mr. Holmes. Well, it's pretty bad. Last night I was accused of... Cheating at cards at the Tankerville Club. Oh, dreadful. Of course, I don't have to tell you that I didn't cheat, but the evidence was dead against me. I'd been winning heavily, and the cards were proved to be marked. Marked? How? There were pinpricks on the edges. Pinpricks which indicated the card's value. Hmm. How did the pack of cards come into play? That's the devil of it. I myself broke open a sealed pack given to me by the club porter. And I swear, that was the pack that was later found to be marked. Was everyone searched? Yes but they found a new, unopened pack in my pocket. The obvious implication being that you had substituted the marked cards, of course. I can see what happened. Somebody deliberately tried to incriminate you by dropping the new pack in your pocket. Of course, darling. But what I can't understand is how the marked pack was introduced into the game. Were there any other cards found in the room? None, Doctor. The Tankerville, eh? 
General Moran is a member of the club, isn't he? Yes, he is. Uncle Sebastian uses it all the time. He was present at the game last night, Alicia. Oh, Harry, now we're worse off than ever. If he thinks you cheated at cards, he'll never let us get married. Now, don't worry, Alicia. I'm sure that Mr. Holmes can find a way out of this. I'm afraid it'll be too late. I couldn't marry you now, Alicia. What do you mean, Harry? But they forced me to resign from the club. That's a bad enough disgrace. But I know there's worse to come. You see, I was expecting my promotion to major any day. Now it'll be a miracle if I'm not cashiered from the regiment. What kind of a life can I offer you? Harry, you're talking absolute nonsense. I think, Captain Prendergast, the next step is obvious. We must remove this apparent stain on your character. But how? Miss Wentworth can stay here with Mrs. Watson. The doctor and I will drive over in a cab with you to the club and see what can be done. kind of a, a card game were you playing last night, Prendergast? Stud poker. Ever since the American ambassador introduced it at the club, it's been quite a favorite. The perfect game for marked cards, which requires no elaborate dexterity in the dealing, simply the knowledge of your opponent's whole card. How many of you were playing? Half a dozen of us. Uh, you, uh, you were winning heavily, you say? Yes, Doctor. Though one of the others, a fellow named David Harkness, was doing well. Now I come to think of it, Harkness almost seemed to know when I was bluffing. As though he could see the marked card. Well, perhaps he was the one who marked them. It's possible. And yet certainly no one could accuse him of tricky dealing. He was so clumsy with his bandaged finger, eh? How did you know he had a bandaged finger, Mr. I'll Holmes? tell you that, Captain Prendergast, when you tell me what's really on your mind. There's a great deal more at stake than a card scandal, isn't there? Yes, there is. I didn't dare to tell Alicia about it. You see, I'm fighting a duel tomorrow. A duel? Lord, with whom? Colonel Moran. Huh? He insulted me last night. He goaded me beyond a man's patience. He taunted me until I couldn't stand it any longer. And so I challenged him. And in so doing, gave him the choice of weapons. Yes, confound it. Of course, he chose revolvers. Moran is a big game hunter of note. He was reputed to be the best shot in England. And I'm probably the worst in London. If only I could shoot as well as I can box. I'm regimental champion, you know. Revolvers? Good heavens, man. Revolvers, a, a duel with Moran is, is suicide for you. No, it's not suicide. Ah, Thank you, little club. Here, cabby. Keep the change, will you? Oh, blimey. Thank you, Governor. Suicide. No, what's not suicide? This is a carefully laid plan for murder. Pray heaven that we are not too late to avert it. It's Mr. Harkness that you're wanting, sir? Yes, he... He went to his room half an hour ago, number 108, up the main stairs and down the corridor, Thank you. I uh, want you to follow us in precisely one minute and bring a sealed pack of the club's playing cards to Mr. Harkness' room. Do you understand? Oh, yes, sir. And thank you. Did you, uh, did you make the arrangement? Yes, come on. Let's go up to Harkness' room. The three members have cut me dead since I came in here. The most humiliating experience. A little patience, Captain Prendergast, and I'm sure your honor will be entirely vindicated. I wish I knew what you were up to, Holmes. I'm going to try and restage the drama that was presented in this club last night. The only difference being that my production will have a cast that's a little different. Now, here we are. Now, let me do the talking. Yes? Did you want something? Prendergast, I don't want you in my rooms. I don't know why they allowed you inside the club. Let us in, Mr. Harkness, please. No, I won't. Take your foot out of the door, confound it. Uh, Mr. Harkness, there are three of us. <clears throat> I think you'd better let us in. You're going to let us in, Harkness. Oh, all right. Come in. Ah, thank you for your hospitality, sir. Now perhaps you fellows will tell me what the devil you think you're up to. With pleasure. As you very well know, Mr. Harkness, this is probably Captain Prendergast's last day on Earth. He has one request to make of you that you join him in a farewell game of poker with us to show you bear no grudges. Oh, it's fantastic. You're all insane. Oh, by the way, Mr. Harkness, I'm delighted to notice that your sore finger seems to have healed with great rapidity. By an odd coincidence, you'll observe that uh, I seem to have injured mine. Mr. Holmes, when did you do that? Oh, in the carriage just now. A mere scratch. Fortunately, I had some first aid materials in my greatcoat. Come in. Yes, Taylor, what is it? Begging your pardon, Mr. Harkness, but... 
The gentleman asked me to bring this sealed pack of cards here. Uh, put them on the table, Taylor. Very good, sir. Well, what's the game? Stud poker, Mr. Harkness. A game with which you're quite familiar, I understand. And the stakes? A man's honor. Possibly another man's freedom. Open the pack, Mr. Harkness, and deal us all a hand. I should think this might be a very unusual game. You'll hear the rest of Dr. Watson's story in just a few seconds. Time for me to explain that Petri California Sherry is not only an ideal wine to serve before dinner, but it's also the perfect wine for almost any occasion. Petri Sherry is fine after dinner, when you're listening to the radio or just sitting around talking. And, of course, you couldn't ask for a finer party wine than Petri Sherry, especially if your party is at cocktail time. If you don't know what wine to buy, you can't go wrong with Petri Sherry. But be sure it's Petri. Look for the letters P-E-T-R-I. They spell the proudest name in the history of American wine. Well, Dr. Watson, that was quite a game of poker you were settling down to. Uh, I have a feeling that Sherlock Holmes had an ace or two up his sleeve, didn't he? Well, figuratively, he did, Mr. Bartell. Though at the time, I must confess that, as usual, I was pretty much in the dark. David Harkness opened the new sealed pack of cards, and the four of us played a hand of poker. It was easy to see that our unwilling host was far from happy. His ferrety eyes darted from one to the other of us as he played our cards. He knew that he was the victim of a conspiracy, and so he was watching every move we made. Finally, as that strange game progressed, Captain Prendergast leaned across the table and said, I think you're blushing, Harkness. Do you? Well, it'll cost you exactly the limit to find out. How curious are you? My joy, I think you are blushing, Harkness. I'll see you. You'd be a fool to Watson when he has a straight flush. What do you mean, Holmes? My dear Harkness. The markings are quite apparent, I assure you, to someone who knows what he's looking for. Scott, you mean that these cards are marked too? Examine them for yourself, old chap. They are marked. They're pinpricked just like they were last night. Well, that's impossible. Harkness broke the seals on your pack just now. We all saw him do it. He couldn't have switched the pack. And why would I do that, even if I could? I wouldn't try and cheat Mr. Sherlock Holmes, would I? No, Mr. Harkness. I just wanted you to know that I understood the trick. What trick, Mr. Holmes? The same one that was played on you last night, Captain Prendergast. This was a demonstration of how easily a sealed pack of cards may be turned into a marked one by a man with a sore finger. What well, has a sore finger got to do with it, Holmes? Oh, it's very simple, Watson. A pinhead or a thumbtack hidden under the bandage, a tiny pressure against a card one wishes to mark as it comes into one's hand, and after several deals... <laughs> hey, presto, a marked pack. Oh, so that's how it was done. You can't prove it, Holmes. You can't prove a thing. You weren't here last night. Oh, unfortunately, I wasn't, Mr. Harkness. Otherwise, I should have had the great pleasure of exposing your trick at the time. As it is, I shall have to rely on a public confession. <laughs> You'll never get a confession from me. Uh, possibly not, but I'm sure that you'll be interested to know that I've made quite an extensive study of card shopping. In fact, I've considered giving a little lecture or demonstration here at the club. What are you talking about? This game that we've just played was in the nature of a rehearsal. I should, of course, stress this particular method as being of uh, great local interest. I'm sure most of the gambling members will recall one man who has had uh, unusually bad luck with his fingers. Holmes, you're trying to ruin me. Well, you were willing to see Prendergast ruined. And killed. But a pistol duel with Colonel Moran is almost equivalent to murder. What? What do you want me to do? Uh, from the direction of your glance, Mr. Harkness, I'm certain that you keep a loaded revolver in your desk drawer. That's a very poor solution, I assure you. Why not be a man, write a confession, and sign it? It'll free Captain Prendergast from any stigma, and it'll help to trap the real culprit, Colonel Sebastian Moran. Moran? Where does he come into the picture, Holmes? Mr. Harkness knows, don't you? And I think I know now. Why don't you tell us, Harkness? One thing at a time, Prendergast. I owe it to you to write a confession. I'll do that. Rather than face a public exposure in the club, but that's as far as I'll go. If you have any ideas about Moran, go and talk to him yourselves. There's a certain honor, you know. Even among thieves? Thank you for the implication, Mr. Harkness. You have writing materials here? Yes, I have writing materials, Holmes. Splendid. Then while you're telling the truth about last night's episode, we'll call on Colonel Sebastian Moran. Have you any idea where we might find him at this time of night? Yes, I have every idea. You'll find him in the gun room. Thinks he has a jewel on his hands tomorrow. In the gun room, eh? Thank you, Mr. Harkness. We'll go and talk to him. You may expect us back within half an hour. <laughs>
Who are you fellows? <clears throat> Turn the gas up, can't you? Colonel Moran, this is Mr. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. How do you do? Uh, Colonel Moran, I've been wanting to meet you for a very long time. Sherlock Holmes, <clears throat> I've heard a lot about you. And I have you, Colonel. Harry, what are you doing inside the club? Mr. Holmes brought me back. We've just left David Harkness's room. He's writing a confession that he engineered the swindle last night, that he deliberately tried to involve me. So, in that case, I suppose I need oil this revolver no longer. Harkness is a cheat. Dear me, how shocking. Aren't you glad that my name will be cleared in this business? Of course I am. I'm delighted. And you'll apologize for the things that you said last night? Yes, Harry, I'll apologize. But you must realize that this revelation makes no difference to my feelings about your marriage to Alicia. Upon my soul, Colonel Moran, it seems to me that one way... Doctor, uh, uh, Watson, I think the name is. Watson, yes, my name's Watson. Uh, Dr. Watson, I would suggest that the happiness of my ward is a matter that cannot possibly concern you. Now, look here, sir, I don't want to go... Will you, old chap? Uh, Colonel Moran, I think I may be able to change your mind on the question of your ward's marriage. How very interesting. And what makes you labor under that delusion? Would you care to have it known at the club that you had deliberately planned Captain Prendergast's murder? What in thunder are you talking about? You know, sir, that a revolver duel with you is no duel. It's a cold-blooded killing. Rubbish. I was challenged. Therefore, I had the choice of weapons. Naturally, I chose the weapon with which I was most familiar. And you had the choice for a very good reason, Colonel Moran. You forced Prendergast into a duel because it was the only way you could, you could be certain that he'd never marry your ward. Alicia? What do you know about her? More than you think, sir. She's at my wife's house this very minute. She suspects you of jealousy. I think it's far more likely that the financial aspect of guardianship is involved here. A financial accounting is due upon her marriage, isn't it? That's none of your business. An accounting is due, Mr. Holmes. Alicia told me that herself. Exactly. And the accounts were in no state to undergo scrutiny. The answer is obvious. David Harkness, a card shop, was in need of money. You induced him to practice his cheating last night in order that you could trap Captain Prendergast into a duel. Harkness, what the devil do you want? Put that revolver down, you fool. I don't care about my own disgrace, but you're going to pay for your share in it, Moran. Drop that revolver, Harkness. Don't you see that you're... Oh, oh. Moran, you... You shot him. You saw that it was in self-defense, gentlemen. He was waving a loaded revolver at me. It's most unfortunate, but it was in self-defense. Yes, self-defense that removed the one dangerous witness who could have testified against you. He's dead, Watson, isn't he? Yes. Shot right through the heart. Moran, you're a cold-blooded, murdering devil. I demand satisfaction for that insult. These gentlemen are my witnesses. I apologize for the misunderstanding last night, but this is a different matter. You've insulted me, Harry. The duel will take place, Colonel Moran, and Dr. Watson and myself will act as seconds for Captain Prendergast. Let's make the necessary arrangements, shall we? <laughs> have happened to them. They left here just after eight. Oh, well, if, if you'd been married to John for any length of time, my dear, you wouldn't worry. When your husband goes out with Sherlock Holmes, you're prepared not to see him for a few days. Mrs. Watson, what are you saying? I haven't got a husband. Hmm? Oh. Oh, now, Alicia, don't, don't glower at me like that. What did you say the time was? It's just after two, and they left here at eight. What can have happened? Well, I don't know. But Mr. Holmes was with him. So don't worry, my dear. He's frightfully clever. I wouldn't be surprised. There's the front door now. They're back. Oh, dear me. Now I'll have to make Coco. Harry. Harry, darling, what's happened? Oh, lots of things, darling. I'm a member of the Tankerville Club again. I'll probably become a major. And you'll certainly become Mrs. Prendergast before very long. Oh, it all sounds wonderful. What have you two been up to? Oh, it's the old story, Mary, dear. Holmes solved the case and it all ended happily. Happily? My dear Watson, that's hardly the word to use. Harkness is dead and Colonel Moran is probably in hospital. Please, tell me what happened. (laughs) Well, your your guardian challenged Captain Prendergast to a duel. Uh, He overlooked the fact that uh, since he was the challenger, the choice of weapons belonged to his opponent. Perhaps you can guess what that choice was. Boxing gloves. We've just come from the gymnasium at the club, Alicia. I'm afraid I really gave him a thrashing. <laughs> and a well-deserved one, too. I'm only sorry that I couldn't put him where he belongs, behind prison bars. Oh, Harry. He'll be the laughing stock of London. I'm glad of it. But, 
But that means that he'll never consent to our being married. I disagree, Miss Wentworth. If we keep his secret, and we've hinted that we might, I'm quite certain that he'll withdraw his objections to the marriage, and somehow he'll make up his deficiencies in his guardianship account. Probably by borrowing money from Professor Moriarty. Oh, I think it's all wonderful. But it's well after two o'clock in the morning. Let's go into the kitchen, shall we? I'll make some cocoa. Cocoa? Butter whiskey? Harry, you and Alicia stay here. You probably have some plans to make. Oh, cocoa's not a very exciting drink. Oh, shush, John. Oh, sorry, darling. As soon as the cocoa's ready, we'll call you. That was, that was some story. You know, I'm glad the age of dueling is over. I'd hate to have someone challenge me to a duel. What's the matter, Mr. Bartell? Are you afraid of being uh, hurt? Afraid of being hurt? Of course not. If someone challenges me to a duel, I, I have the right to choose the weapons, don't I? Yes, and what weapons would you choose? Cream puffs at 30 paces. Nobody's going to hurt me. <laughs> I see that. <laughs> How long? Come to think of it, instead of cream puffs, I'd rather have a piece of cake. Oh, why a piece of cake? Because it tastes so good with a glass of Petri Sherry. Any questions? Uh, no questions. <laughs> For a while there, I'll bet you thought I'd forgotten all about Petri oh, wine. Oh, forgotten about it. Not you, Mr. Bartell. No, not anybody Never who's ever tasted it. it. Petri wine is the kind of wine you'll always remember. That's because the Petri family really knows how to make good wine. They've been making wine for generations. Winemaking is their heritage. It's an art that's been handed on down in the Petri family from father to son... From father to son. Every drop of Petri wine is clear, fragrant, and delicious. As delicious as the luscious, sun-ripened California grapes from which it's made. Remember, the name Petri on a bottle of wine is more than a trademark. It's the personal assurance of the Petri family that their wine is the kind of wine you like. For any occasion. You can't miss with Petri wine because Petri took time to bring you good wine. Well, Dr. Watson, what new Sherlock Holmes story are you planning to tell us next week? Well, now, let me see. Uh, next week? Uh, next week, Mr. Bartell, I'm going to tell you an adventure that took place in the gay Vienna of the 90s. Concerns a strange tragedy that occurred on a ballroom floor and a weird series of murders that were punctuated by the sound of music. I call the story... The Waltz of Death. <laughs> Tonight's Sherlock Holmes adventure was written by Dennis Green and Anthony Boucher and was suggested by an incident in Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's story, The Five Orange Pips. Music is by Dean Fossler. Mr. Rathbone appears through the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer and Mr. Bruce through the courtesy of Universal Pictures, where they are now starring in the Sherlock Holmes series. Petri Wine Company of San Francisco, California, invites you to tune in again next week. Next week, many communities will change time, and this program will reach some of our listeners at a different hour. Consult your local newspaper or mutual station for the exact time in your area. Sherlock Holmes comes to you from our Hollywood studio. This is Harry Bartell saying goodnight for the Petri family. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. For a solid hour of exciting mystery dramas, listen every Monday on most of these same stations at 8 o'clock to Michael Shane, followed immediately by Sherlock Holmes. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Sherlock Holmes considered himself as the only unofficial consulting detective, and rightly so. In point of fact, Holmes worked outside the law. If he'd been a policeman working for Scotland Yard, 
He would certainly not have had the freedom that allowed him to use his unorthodox methods. This both pleased the police and frustrated them. Pleased them because he almost invariably let such men as Inspector Lestrade and Inspector Gregson take the public recognition for a case that he had solved. Frustrated them because he could literally work on a case using his own specialized abilities while they had to stay within prescribed limits. Yet Holmes did respect the law, for he was in fact an amateur and felt it best to have a healthy relationship with the professional police. This encouraged such men as Lestrade and Gregson to bring various unsolved crimes to him for his solution. His freedom outside the restraints of the law allowed him to assume many roles in disguise and to work with Watson as his accomplice. Excellent examples of this kind of work can be found in such original stories as uh, A Scandal in Bohemia, The Man with the Twisted Lip, and The Illustrious Client, to name but a few. He often broke open safes to get information, set fires to force some action out of an individual, such as uh, Irene Adler, or broke into homes in order to gain access to information that would lead to the solving of the crime. Any admonitions by the police were soon dropped when Holmes produced the criminal or solved the crime. Most of this work was done by Holmes and Watson in London or various other parts of England. In The Waltz of Death, Holmes and Watson find themselves in Vienna on a case. Now here, on foreign territory, and completely outside the orthodox methods of the English police, Holmes had even more free reign. He still used his brilliant sense of deductive logic, but now he did not have to worry about reprimands from Scotland Yard. And besides, there was new excitement for Holmes when he could deal with murder from other than the English criminal. Join me now as we present Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson in The Waltz of Death. Petri Wine brings you... Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce in The New Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. The Petri family, the family that took time to bring you good wine, invite you to listen to Dr. Watson as he tells you another exciting adventure he shared with his old friend, that master detective, Sherlock Holmes. And as for me, well, I'm going to tell you about a swell idea. The idea of serving Petri California sherry before dinner. Tomorrow night, just before dinner, instead of that last-minute rush, take it easy. Pour yourself a glass of Petri sherry. Now, if you'll do that just once, I wouldn't have to say another word about Petri sherry. You'd be a customer for life. Because Petri sherry is good wine with a capital good. Judge that Petri sherry any way you like. By its beautiful amber color its heart-of-the-grape aroma, or by the best test of all, its flavor. Petri sherry is delicious, and you have a choice of two kinds, Petri regular and Petri pale dry sherry. If you're not sure which you'll like better, try them both. Don't buy one, buy two. But remember, always buy Petri. And now I'm sure our good friend Dr. Watson's expecting us. Let's go in and join. Good evening, Dr. Watson. Good evening, Mr. Bartell. All set for tonight's story? Yes, my boy, I'm all set, as you put it. It began in Vienna in 1889. The old Vienna of bright lights, lovely ladies, and lilting music. What were you and the great Sherlock Holmes doing there, Doctor? Mr. Bartell, what were we doing there? Yes, sir. Were you just taking a trip? Oh, in those early days of our association, we didn't have either the time or the money for trips. No, we were in Vienna at the express command of the Emperor Franz Josef. It was in October, I remember, that we arrived in the city, and for several days we were forced to cool our heels awaiting the imperial pleasure. It was on one of those idle evenings that the good services of our friend, the chief of police, Count Lufrano, secured us an invitation to a resplendent ball was being held at the palace of Princess Stephanie von Kram. It was an incredibly colorful spectacle, Mr. Bartell. A string orchestra high in the gallery of the palace ballroom 
played a haunting Strauss waltz, while on the floor below, the cream of Viennese aristocracy swayed and glided gaily to the lilting music. I can remember the picture so well, Mr. Bartell, that Holmes and I stood there talking to the chief of police, Count Raffrano. A colorful scene, is it not, gentlemen? By George, yes, Count Raffrano. It must be a real holiday for you and Mr. Holmes. What makes you say that, Watson? Well, it's hard to think of the criminal world when one looks at such a gathering. And yet Count Raffrano knows as well as I do that the criminal is not confined to class or environment. Indeed, no, Mr. Holmes. I can assure you that every guest here tonight has been scrutinized as he entered. Yes, I imagine that many plainclothes men are present in this room now, aren't they, Count Raffrano? Oh, yes. We take no chances. I suppose you can't afford to. There's enough jewelry being worn here tonight for a king's ransom, I should say. Ah, uh, the waltz is finished. Now I can present you to our hostess, Princess von Kram. Stephanie, my pigeon. My pigeon? Must know the princess pretty well. Yes, I'm glad <laughs> to see that in Vienna... The profession of criminal detection carries no social stigma. Allow me to present you Mr. Sherlock Holmes, Dr. Watson, the Princess Stephanie von Kram. I'm very honored to meet you, Your Highness. I'm most happy to meet you, gentlemen. Permit me to introduce my protege, Janos Hervat, the Hungarian composer. This ball tonight, Mr. Holmes, will mark a rare occasion. A signal honor is to be conferred on Herr Horvat and myself before tonight is through. The next waltz is a new composition of his... Tonight will be its debut. Indeed, how very interesting. It is a great honor the princess has conferred on me. A new composition could not possibly be presented under more auspicious circumstances. Count Frana, you spoke of an honor in connection with yourself. May I tell them our secret, Stephanie? No, I will tell them myself, Anatole. After your waltz has been played, Janusz, and Anatole and I shall be the first to have the privilege of dancing to it, my father is to make a public announcement. He is to announce my engagement to Count Anatole Raffano. Oh, indeed. My congratulations to you both. Very lucky fellow. Am I not the luckiest of men? Is she not exquisite? I, the gay man of Vienna, the cavalier who swore that no one woman would ever capture him, I confess it, gentlemen, I'm in love. Oh, but I pity you. Even the great waltzes of old Vienna could hardly be worthy of this moment. Oh, Anatole, you are a born flatterer. Oh, come, the waltz is about to begin. I shall see you, gentlemen, later. Auf Wiedersehen. Auf Wiedersehen. The orchestra is tuning up there, Horvat. I imagine this is a great moment for you. A very frightening one, I assure you, my friend. In a few minutes, I shall know whether my new work is to be crowned with success or failure. Count Raffrano is leading the princess to the center of the floor. The conductor is raising his battle. This is your moment, Herr Horvath. Good luck. Pray for me, gentlemen. Pray for me. There they go, the princess and Count Raffrano. They're starting the waltz. Ah, they make a striking pair, don't they? Here come the other couples out on the floor. Charming. Quite charming. It reminds me of... <laughs> Great Scott, that, that was a revolver shot. It's the princess. She's been shot. Come on, Watson. Out of the way, please. Out of the way. Count Rufano, what happens? Stephanie, Dr. Watson, see what you can do for her. Count Rufano, there's... There's nothing I can do, I'm afraid. She was shot through the brain. She died instantly. Stephanie is dead. Stop that devilish music. Lock all the doors. There's a murderer to be found. Frano, have you found any clues? One of my men found a revolver. It had been tossed into the earth of a potted palm. May I see it, please? Of course, here. Rammed into the soft earth. Confound it. Count Frano, your fiancée was an extremely beautiful woman. You must have had rivals. Yes, several, but none of them are present tonight. Uh, who will inherit her estate? A six-month-old nephew. Who's his guardian? The Emperor Franz Josef himself. No, no, Mr. Holmes, I know of no obvious motive for someone wishing poor Stephanie dead. Well, perhaps it was a political crime. She was a wealthy aristocrat and a very prominent one. Yes, it's very possible. Many nihilist assassins have been active in my country recently. Meanwhile, we have a ballroom full of suspects waiting for us. I was just going to suggest we went back there. We can't find out very much by staying here in the library. It's a delicate matter. Almost everyone present tonight is known to me personally. Uh, May I suggest that you go back to the ballroom and have the male guests file past you? Detained for questioning anyone whose evening clothes do not fit perfectly. Clothes don't fit? 
what's the cut of a man's clothes got to do with this? Anyone invited to such a ball as this would naturally have his own tailor. I think, Count Profano, if you found a man who had to hire his costume, uh, he might be an imposter and may well prove to be your assassin. Well, Mr. Holmes, your plan has not been effective so far. We find one Englishman who is unusually badly dressed, and what do we discover? He's an English milord whose luggage was lost on the train. Yes, and the second suspect proved to be a perfectly respectable Viennese doctor whose nasty little child had taken the last-minute snip at his tailcoat with a pair of scissors. And the third was poor Horvath, the composer, who cannot yet afford a good dress suit, eh? Well, Count Rufano, why not have the next suspect shown in? Yes, of course. Schober, bring in the next man. Yeah, Herr Count. Come and see Herr Einbitter. Einbitter? What a frightful-looking fellow. Your name, please. My name is Groening. What do you wish with me? Groening? Your name was not on the list of invitations. Uh, one moment, please. Let me see your right hand, Herr Groening. You have no right to touch me. Uh, where did you get these fresh earth stains? Your right thumb is pitted and the nail is full of dirt. What does that poor policeman... Not a short while ago, you tried to hide your revolver by ramming it into an earth-filled flower pot. You know that revolver, please, Count Rufano. It will be easy to compare the samples of Earth. It will not be necessary. Well, you, you admit that you murdered the princess tonight, then? Certainly, I admit it. Why did you kill her? She was an aristocrat. She was an oppressor of the poor. I'm glad I killed her. One day, I and my party will kill all of you filthy aristocrats. Count put down that revolver. Shoot him like the dark he is. No, 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 Count Rufano, Even you can't take the law into your own hands. Why do you not shoot me? I'm not afraid to die. You haven't taken away, Shoba. Thank you for stopping my hand just now, Doctor. But when he spoke of Stephanie that way, I could have killed him just as he killed her. Very understandable impulse, sir, but uh, one that would have ruined your life. My life? Now that she is dead, my life is empty. What right do love and beauty have to exist in a world that no longer holds Stephanie? She was all light and life, loveliness. Now, but I am hardly displaying my Viennese blood, am I? The murder is caught, thanks to you, Mr. Holmes, and my life, such as it is, must go on. Somehow, must go on. That's how the story began, Mr. Bartell. It began? It sounds like the end of a story to me, Doctor. Far from it, my boy. The next day, Holmes and I had our interview with His Imperial Majesty and learned the nature of the services expected of us. Services that required our leaving the city. And that's why, my boy, we were gone from Vienna for some weeks. We didn't know that during our absence, Herr Holbert's waltz, which had had such a tragic debut, was beginning to make a sort of morbid history. Herr Baron, the Horvath waltz. We have had many requests for it. Gladly, we will play it, Herr Baron. Isn't that the Horvath waltz they are playing? Yes, my dear. And see who is walking on to the floor to dance to it. Leah Mollenstein, the actress. A beautiful creature. Are you trying to make me jealous, Hans? Gott in Himmel, it's Leah Mollenstein. She's been shot. A new ballet. And to the music of the Horvath Waltz. Magnificent. Never has Krasnova danced better. Have you ever seen such exquisite pirouettes? Shoba. All beautiful women and all killed to the music of the Horvath Waltz. There's a homicidal madman at large in Vienna. There's only one thing to be done. We must forbid absolutely the playing of that waltz by imperial decree. We'll hear all of this, Mr. Bartell, until we return to Vienna. 
And then, I suppose, Sherlock Holmes was drawn into the case again, Doctor. Yes, my boy. Holmes immediately made a close study of the newspaper reports on the tragedies. And it was with great difficulty that I tore him away from his investigations to attend the reception at which the Emperor was to thank us for our services on the mission that we just completed. As we arrived at the Imperial Palace, almost the first person we ran into was the Hungarian composer, Janusz Kovac. Dr. Watson. You have heard of the tragedies connected with my walls? Yes, we have indeed, sir. We have indeed. I was making a close study of the newspaper reports on them just before I came here. You must do something, Mr. Holmes. People will hardly listen to other music. They want my waltz. But that is forbidden. I'm losing a reputation and a fortune while that waltz remains unplayed. Or perhaps, Herr Horvath, you are laying an excellent foundation for a later reputation and fortune. What do you mean? All this publicity, however distasteful to you at the moment, must in the long run prove invaluable. Ah, there you are, my dear Count Rufano. Mr. Holmes, Dr. Watson, I'm, I'm glad to see you back in Vienna. You've heard of the murders? Yes, Count, we were just discussing them. I need your help again, my good friend. For over a month now, the murder has been at large, and I cannot seem to get on the stage. But I'm crooning the first killer. What have you done with him? Released him. What? Released him? Great Scott, Why? At the hearing, it was obvious the man was an egomaniac. He boasted of the murder of Stephanie apparently out of pure vanity. The liberal newspaper editors made quite an issue of the case. They brought pressure to bear, and we had to let him go. Confound it. I wish I hadn't left Vienna. Well, if the fellow's at large again, Count Frana, it's pretty obvious that he's the murderer of the other women, too. On the contrary, Doctor, he was in prison until yesterday. The last of the murders was committed three days ago. Comes his Imperial Highness Franz Josef. Uh, good evening, gentlemen. Your Hi. Highness. Good evening. Your Highness. Well, well, I see we have very distinguished company tonight. Not only the masterful Sherlock Holmes and his colleague, Dr. Watson, our English friends that we are honoring, but I see that we have a distinguished representative from our Hungarian Empire, Janos Horvath. It was a success, I'm told a breed of composers for whom Vienna is famous. Your Imperial Highness is most kind. There's a pipe organ in here. It's in excellent condition, I am told. Will you not play as one of your compositions here, Horvath? Well, I shall be most honored, Your Highness. Sit down, gentlemen, sit down. Thank you. What shall I play, Your Imperial Highness? Anything you wish, young man. Anything you wish. Thank you, Your Highness. With your permission, I choose to play... Great heavens, he's playing the death waltz. On your guard, Watson. Even in the Imperial Palace itself, this twirling tune may invoke murder. You'll hear the rest of Dr. Watson's story in just a second, which just gives me time to remind you that if any one wine could be called the perfect wine for almost any occasion... That one wine would be Petri California Sherry. Petri Sherry is not only a fine before dinner wine, but it's wonderful after dinner too. And of course, when you're entertaining or when guests drop in, whether in the afternoon or evening, there's nothing better than a glass of Petri Sherry. And it's comforting to know that you can serve Petri Sherry proudly because the name Petri is the proudest name in the history of American wine. Dr. Watson, you certainly left me hanging on a cliff that time. You broke off your story just as the Hungarian composer started to play his ill-fated waltz to the Emperor Franz Joseph. What happened? At the time, my boy, fortunately, nothing happened. Herr Hovart completed his composition without apparent incident, and shortly afterwards we attended a banquet that was given in our honor, a banquet that concluded with a rather curious ceremony at which the Emperor presented Sherlock Holmes with a medal to commemorate his services. Uh, I don't think it was. Oh, 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 never mind about that. Finally, it was shortly after 10 o'clock, I remember. Holmes and I, together with Count Rufrano, left the royal chambers and started to descend the spiral staircase leading to the main hall. You were greatly honored tonight, Mr. Holmes. I've only known His Imperial Highness to make three such presentations before, and they were all to my own countrymen. Oh, he might have made another while he was about no, please, it. Watson, get please, Watson, please. The Emperor was most kind. I can't help feeling that he over-evaluated my You're services. You're being though. unusually modest, Holmes. Perhaps because I feel that my visit here is incomplete until I've solved the death waltz murders. I hope you'll be able to stay in Vienna long enough to do that. I confess I am at my wit's end. I've been giving the matter a great deal of thought, Count Rufano. 
I have a plan for trapping the killer. It's in rather an embryonic stage at the moment, but over a few pipes at the hotel tonight, I expect to develop it thoroughly. I shall call at your office in the morning and explain it to you. I shall be awaiting your visit eagerly. Oh, one more of these murders in the newspaper outcry might become so loud that I should have to resign my post as chief of police. Well, when Horvath made that daring gesture and played the death waltz tonight, it proved one thing. It's not infallible. The death of a beautiful woman doesn't always follow the playing of the melody. Very true, Doctor, but... Watson! Uh... Yes, sir? Strike a match, will you? Huh? There's a figure here slumped on the landing. Great Scott, it's the body of a girl. And a very beautiful girl, too. Shot through the forehead. You were wrong, Watson. The death waltz is infallible. But I swear to you that the killer has struck for the last time. Ah, there you are, my dear Counsel Fano. Yes, I followed the instructions you gave me this morning, Mr. Holmes. Chainbaum's is, at the moment, the smartest restaurant in Vienna. I've reserved the best table for you, and I've invited the guests that you named. A strangely assorted couple, I must say. Janos Horvath, the composer, and that grinning fellow, the one that admitted shooting your, your fiancé, Counsel Fano. It's as much as I could do to keep my hands off him when he arrived here, Doctor. But Mr. Holmes insisted that I ask him. Just the same, I wish you would tell me his plan. I'm completely in the dark. Completely in the dark. I can sympathize with you, Count Refrano. Holmes never tells me a thing either. Let's join our guests, shall we? In a very few minutes, I'm sure that my uh, plan will be perfectly apparent. Good evening, Herr Horvath. Oh, good evening, Mr. Holmes. Dr. Watson. How do you do, Herr Horvath? And how are you tonight, Herr Gruning? Angry at having to come here against my will. My party does not approve of these aristocratic padded pigsties. But Count Refrano informed me that if I did not come here tonight, I could expect to find myself back in prison. How could I resist such a persuasive invitation? Ah, here comes the third guest for our table. I met her at the hotel a few hours ago. Oh, Miss Banks, I'm so glad that you were able to come. Hello, Mr. Holmes. I didn't know this was going to be a party, but I couldn't be happier. Allow me to present you, Count Refrano, Dr. Watson, Herr Horvath, Herr Gruning, Miss Barbara Banks from the United States of America. How do you do, How do you do Holmes, I wish I knew what you're up to. And how can a young American girl afford to come to Vienna, may I ask? Of course you can ask. My father made a lot of money, and he wanted me to have the advantages he never had. Your father made money because he ground the faces of the poor. Oh, my father never ground a poor face in his life. He was a capitalist. I spit on him. Oh, that's rather unfriendly. And also, geographically speaking, something of a problem. You see, he's living in Wyoming. You make fun of me. <laughs> Only because you made fun of me. Uh, Mr. Holmes, I did as you asked me. I'm very grateful, Miss Banks. The orchestra leader didn't want to play it. He, he seemed scared. But I waved a lot of money in front of him, and I promised to pay the fine as well. Splendid. Great Scott, I see it all now. So do I. You persuaded Miss Banks to bribe the orchestra leader to play. My waltz. My forbidden waltz? Yes, Herr Horvat. I felt that if the request came from a young American, it might seem quite reasonable. Particularly if the requests were accompanied by American talus crowned out of the faces of the poor. You are being unpleasant to me, aren't you? We're playing at your waltz, Herr Horvat. The death waltz. Mr. Holmes, this is against the law. The Horvat waltz is forbidden by imperial decree. True, nonetheless, my dear Count, I implore you not to arrest the orchestra leader until after the waltz is completed. In which case, since I requested it and it's still playing, I'd like a partner. W will you dance with me, Count Refrano? I'm sorry, Miss Banks, but to this melody I shall never dance again. Oh. Well, how about you, Dr. Watson? Oh, I like you very much, my dear, but I'm afraid I'm not as light on my, on my feet as I used to be. In any case, I was never much of a hand at the waltz. See, <laughs> polka's more in my line. Dear me, I'm getting an inferiority complex. Oh, please do not, Miss Banks. You'll observe that the general public seems singularly unwilling to dance, too. Not one couple has ventured onto the floor. Oh, can you blame them? The waltz with Horvath may mean death. How can you blame them? I'm not afraid. After all, Herr Horvath, it's your own music. I'll dance with you. You're most kind, Miss Banks, and courageous. But to be a partner of the only woman on the floor would mean ruin. An admission of failure. My third refusal? I'm a wallflower. No, my dear Miss Banks, the aristocrats, they're afraid. But I, plain, simple Gröning, I will dance with you, Miss Millions. Oh, bless you, Herr Gröning. And I assure you, my father does not grind the faces of the poor. He does grind the faces of the poor, this I Stop know. her, it's suicide. I think not, Herr Horvath. I think so. And I'll not stay here to watch it. 
Where the devil is he off to? Do not worry, Doctor. I shall keep an eye on him. Yes, and we'll keep an eye on both of them. Come on, Watson. Nobody is leaving the room. But as Count Rofrano has deserted his trail and has slipped behind one of those pillars. Good Lord, he, he's drawing a revolver. Jackie Watson, he's our man. Put down that revolver, Count Rofrano. Put it down, I say. He's turning it on himself. Count Rofrano! <laughs> I still can't believe it, Holmes. Not the fact that Count Frano blew his brains out, but the fact that he was a murderer. Yes, I was slow to believe it too, old chap, and I blame myself in consequence. Two things should have been instantly apparent about the madman who killed beautiful women when he heard the Horvath waltz. Firstly, he must have had some motivation which drove him to such an act. Secondly, he must have carried a revolver with him at all times, since he was invariably armed when the occasion presented itself. Exactly, and that factor made me think of the... Police official. Then, of course, I saw Rufrano's motivation. He loved the Princess Stephanie dearly. Her death in his arms was a psychological shock that was more than his mentality could stand. And when he heard that music, it reminded him of the dead princess and forced him to kill. That's right, old fellow. You will recall that uh, what he said to us after his fiancée's death. What right do love and beauty have to exist in a world that no longer holds Stephanie? When he heard the music, he couldn't bear to think that other loveliness existed, and so, well, he, he destroyed it. But who killed the Princess Stephanie? The man who was first arrested for it, Herr Grinning. He admitted it. After a little persuasion, when the police arrived, taken back to prison in the carriage that just took Count Frano's body. It's shocking to think that seven innocent women have been murdered before this case was solved. Yes, a fact that will be a constant reproach to me, I assure you. Oh, I didn't mean that, my dear fellow. We weren't even in Vienna when five of the killings took place. Hello, hello. Here comes Miss Banks. Mr. Holmes, what happened to that funny little man who danced with me? Herr Grinning? Mm -hmm. He went to prison, Miss Banks. He was a murderer. Well, I must say this is a strange kind of a party you asked me to, Mr. Holmes. One of the guests blows his brains out, and the other, the only man who danced with me, turns out to be a murderer. Oh, I see now why Father sent me to Europe. An evening like this could never happen in Wyoming. Look, look, look. Helvis walking out in, in front of the orchestra. Ladies and gentlemen. Shh, shh. Listen. Ladies and gentlemen, I almost thought of a wish to assure you upon the word of the great English detective Sherlock Holmes that never again shall my new waltz be an accompaniment for murder. <laughs> Henceforth, its melody will be for life and love and laughter. I have ordered a bottle of the finest cocaine sent to each of your tables. Raise your glasses and pledge me as I now conduct my waltz. Free at last from the kiss of death. Say, Doctor, I, I, I really like that story. That was a baffle. Yes, wasn't it? A highly placed police official is the last person in the world you'd think guilty of murder. I must confess I wasn't of so much to help to, to Holmes in solving that case. Oh, don't let that worry you, Doctor. After all, Holmes almost missed solving it himself. Oh, thank you, my boy. Nice of you, thank you. But it certainly was one of the most interesting cases that I was ever connected with. I know what you mean. Hi, everyone. This is your host, John Hagedorn. We've had some wonderful reviews from our Apple listeners, and we've had some episode comments from our Spotify listeners. I wanted to share a few of both with you today. Starting with Spotify, the episode The Disappearing Scientist and the Headless Monk. That was the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes. The question was, what did you think about this episode? The answer from Aldrin came seven days ago. Very interesting. This one was The Adventure of the Dancing Men, a Sherlock Holmes adventure. What did you think about this episode? From Kashanath, Mysterific. From Maple, maybe a bit less talking and more story. On the episode, The Guileless Gypsy, from The New Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. What did you think about this episode? It's the best episode yet. Every one of your episodes you upload are out of this world. They are just amazing and always amaze me. Going to our podcast reviews, three stars. A disappointing three stars. My favorite podcast but, I like all of Mr. Hagedorn's podcasts, but this one, 1001 Sherlock Holmes, is my favorite. 
However, I do not like the radio show replays The New Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Please go back to reading the stories yourself. That one from Backwards, Apple Podcast, U.S. And Backwards, we're doing a mix of all types of Arthur Conan Doyle stories, Sherlock Holmes adventures, and the radio version, The New Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. And the radio version, The New Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, gets us many more positive reviews and comments. So, I think the right decision is to leave it in there. Thanks for being a good fan, and I hope your next review is a little better than three stars for all the work we put into this. Next one? Love it, but post more, please. Five stars. 1001 Sherlock Holmes stories. Yay, I'm glad I found this, but post more, please. I'm running out of Sherlock Holmes. That one from FNAF Lord Bingo, Apple Podcast, U.S. And this one, I love it, five stars. But at the same time, that dude loves Petri Wine way too much. That one from Petri Wine, Apple Podcast, U.S. And this one, Hound, four stars. I wish you'd read these home stories yourself. So much better than the canned Petri Wine versions. They're on from G33DDC, Apple Podcast, Great Britain. And G33DDC, I think we have about 80 versions that I've read of both home stories and stories from Arthur Conan Doyle. Maybe more. Haven't checked lately. But there have been many, many, many to enjoy. Anyway, thank you all for taking the time to leave us these reviews. Everyone, thanks for listening. And we'll be back soon with a brand new episode at 1001 Sherlock Holmes Stories and the best of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle.